Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Let us pray. We breathe. Some of us are anxious and worried and afraid, just like the disciples. Some are at peace and calm and joyful, just like the disciples. Some are stuck in the dark, and some are standing in the beaming light. We, O God, are your people. May you breathe upon and in and through us that resurrection come in our living. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. Amen. My uh, sermon today begins with a bit of a confession. And my confession is this, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it this year. As I moved toward this week, I was hoping, I was just not feeling it. I don't know about you, and I won't ask you to put your hand up, but some of me might be going, me too. I don't know, perhaps it was the weather, like perhaps it was the weather. Last Friday, it was 21 degrees, Charlotte and I decided we were going to plant flowers. We went out, yes, and I've been in Calgary 30 years, and you're to know I'm crazy. Went out, took the roof off the 30-year-old Volkswagen we have, drove up to the Home Depot, walked around the Home Depot, got the things we wanted and bought some potted flowers and some seeds, made our way back into the hot deck in the backyard and planted them. And some looked like this. Um, They started this way. Pardon? Oh, she's taking pictures. Well, she'll come tell you. So, so some of them look like this. Well, I'll say it again. Some, there they are. That's what happened to them. But hold on. Show them what they looked like first. They were like that. Pretty good, hey? I like it. Then they went like, then they went like that. Technology. So here's the thing. I'm like, come on. Is it, is it unreasonable to ask for one dandelion mid-April? I have been searching. Has anybody seen one yet? You saw one. Nice. We're going to all go over after Anne. In Vancouver, she says. I have this thing about Vancouver. Oh, look at the daffodils I'm tripping over. Oh, look at the tulips that are so high. I hate those texts. I know what you're saying. But this is Calgary. Here we are. There's something about the weather this past week, 21 degrees to minus 10. There's something about that that perhaps is affecting my feelings. Some of it might just be church. You're coming in, not sure whether you want to be here, whether you should be. You got to have a mask. I wish you could see what I get to see, which is the beauty of the mask and the faces. But there's something hesitant I've been saying about being in church. It's just not what it was. And we're all living with that. Not what it was. There's something hesitant. And I just got to confess again that I'm kind of missing doing the sermon by myself in this room, facing this way and looking at a green light. There's something about that green light. I am just missing that old green light. And then tennis on Sunday morning. Just saying, I'm missing my tennis game on Sunday morning. And here I am at church. Who didn't do laundry? Who didn't do a brunch? Who didn't go to church? Suddenly, we're at church. Perhaps 
there's something about that that's a little bit hard, just not getting into Easter. Or perhaps you, like me, have experienced so much loss in the last year, you haven't had a chance to even tell people. Some people have lost beloved ones, had to do online funerals. Some people's relationship broke. Some friendships were lost. Some jobs were lost. So much back to normal hasn't happened and we haven't got back there. There's so much loss this pandemic has brought us that it's hard to get to Easter. Or perhaps it was none of that. Maybe it's just like look at the news in the day when you read the news. And I read yesterday, it took, broke my heart to read that the war that's going on in Ukraine, the two main weapons right now are assault weapons and Viagra. Assault weapons and Viagra is how this war is going on. When you read the news, you go like... Hallelujah. And so that hallelujah anyway is really kind of where I'm sitting. I'm like, I just can't get there. Hallelujah. Broken hallelujah. Thank God Leonard Cohen wrote that song to remind us that sometimes the hallelujahs are broken and we just can't get there to the beautiful flowers. And then I got to tell you, it happened. Now, it wasn't a whack on the head, but it was a bit of a poke. I was reading this gospel for today, and every Easter we look at, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, hold the horse while I get on. That's how you remember, four, okay? And they're all different, all different writers. Max, Mark's a short one, it ends with, it's an idle tale. You know, Luke's got the Emmaus story, and it's all about breaking bread. And, uh, Matthew has got this great story where there's people there that are in one story and not in the other, and it's kind of a a dark story, and then you got John, which is the one we're looking at today. And all the Gospels are written differently, different people, different time, different context, different story, different details, and they're trying to tell you what it is. And so when you come to John's Gospel, which I went to for today, this is how it goes. Listen up. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Mary came from the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away. Do you get it? All I needed to read was, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Mary came from the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away. Do you get it? Easter starts in the dark. Easter starts in the darkness. And that's where I'm kind of sitting right now. I haven't quite made it over there yet. And I don't know about you. You might be still stuck on Ash Wednesday. You might feel like you're a Good Friday still or Holy Saturday. You haven't quite nudged your way into Easter because it starts in the dark. It starts in the dark because we all descend to the dark. We all know darkness of body, mind, or spirit, and God is present in that darkness. When I was walking around the Home Depot complaining to my friend Joanne on the phone as I picked up things with Charlotte and before I got to the plants, and I was telling her I wasn't quite into Easter, she said, well, no wonder, John. Easter starts in hell. Easter starts in hell, she said. It starts in the dark, she said. 
The Nicene Creed says he, Jesus descended into hell, and on the third day he rose. So no one, Easter starts in the dark. It starts in hell. No wonder I'm kind of not feeling it, I say to myself. The darkness you and I experience this Easter or maybe last two or maybe the next one, who knows, is part of being a human being and a human story. There's darkness and sadness and sorrow and no, nothing can quite nudge you there until you pay attention to it. Everything starts in the dark. And if you go to your Bible and you go to the front, there's two creation stories. The Bible loves to hold contradiction in there. The first two chapters, two different creation stories, but they both start in the dark. Hear this word. Hear this word. In the dark, it says, In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Now the earth was formless and void, and the darkness covered the earth. The whole deep surface was with God, and God hovered in the darkness and said, Let there be light. And there was light. Creation began in the darkness. You and I began in the darkness of a womb. Seeds are planted in the darkness of the soil before they can emerge into their beauty. We must know despair if we're ever going to know joy. You see, darkness is part of our experience. And Easter, thank God, starts in the dark. Easter starts in the dark. Easter starts in the dark. And I'm like, thank God it does. Now I can hang in this story. I don't know if you've been around the last few weeks, if you've been online. Uh, you certainly were invited to be part of the series that Andrea and I did on the five stages of grief. We looked at Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who has since died, wrote about death and dying, and she looked at the five stages of grief, and we looked at it because we were aware that individuals and communities are experienced during the pandemic grief. And so we began by looking at denial. We're in denial. This isn't happening. And then there's anger that's simmering everywhere in the world. And then there's bargaining. If you could just change this, get me that, I'll do this. And then we de descended into a sense that depression is part of our grief. And finally, Kubler-Ross says there's a sense of acceptance. Well, I heard a podcast this week with Brene Brown and a man named David Kessler who worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And in his book called Finding Meaning, he says, I've been working on these stages of grief, and there's one more. And he got Elizabeth Kubler-Ross to agree to it before she died. And the sixth stage, sixth sense of our grief is this, meaning. Kessler says at some point after acceptance, we fall into a cushion, which is what meaning is. And it's there in this cushion of our grief that we start to make sense of the pandemic, sense of our loss, sense of our struggle, sense of our world. And there's a sense when we come to this sense of meaning, there's a sense of relief, a sense of peace, and a sense of willingness to make that step that very one step forward. And he says that meaning is the, the step that helps us make sense of our grief, but also sense of Easter. Like, what does it mean, someone might say to you? Why did you bother going to church anyway? Easter is about the promise that we may be in the darkness, but we will rise in the light. You know, over these last two years, I've learned many things, which we'll tell you about someday.
But there's been three things. This tells you got three stories before the end. Three things I want to tell you about how this darkness and light has moved in my life. The first was being in mindful morning, 7 a.m., still online, a chance to be with others in a contemplative movement. It was Jim who commented in the service about Jim Finley, and his quote was this that stuck. Do you ever have those quotes that stick? He said, God protects us from nothing. God protects us from nothing, but is present in everything. And that is true. God protects us from nothing, but is present in everything. And it's in that nothingness that God is present to us. And this pandemic and this world that we're living in right now is so meaningless and so scary and so fearful that we wonder what is the meaning and we need to know in our theological head God is, protects us from nothing and is present in everything. And this is what it looks like. In March, I did the funeral for our congregant, Bill Phipps, congregant, friend, father, grandfather, prophet, moderator of the United Church of Canada, 40 of us gathered in here online, 3,200, sorry, in here, 3,200 have witnessed the service. And in that service, I, I was feeling the sense of sadness. The morning of that funeral, CBC asked me to talk about Bill, and I went online at 7.20 in the morning and talked about Bill and how he was a minister to ministers and how people sometimes didn't like him but uh, certainly respected him. Anyway, I got home at the end of that day. I walked up the steps, and there was a little brown bag, and in the little brown bag was a loaf of bread. And I opened up the bag, and there was a card from my neighbor who I don't even know who said to me, I heard you on CBC talking about your friend and mentor, and I wanted you to have this bread because he was a minister to ministers. And when we ate that bread, it never tasted sweeter. Do you have anybody in your life who, who bakes bread or sends you a text or an email or a card or says something that lifts you up when you are down? When you are in the darkness, sheds a little bit of light. God protects us from nothing and is present in everything, present in a loaf of bread. Or I, I know the stories as we think about, what does this mean? What do we make? What, how does this war and COVID and all the things that we're wearing this down, what does it mean? And the imagination of poetry and story is so strong for me as a sense of giving me the food I need through it. And, and in the book, Finding Meaning, David Kessler tells the parable of the spoons. And you've heard it before from me, but I'm telling you anyway. Again, he says that he wants, the story, parable is about a guy who wants to know what heaven and hell's like. So he goes on a journey. A friend says, come on, I'll show you what hell's like. And they go down this long hallway and there's different doors. And as they're getting closer, they hear this wailing, this crying can't believe it. They open the door and open the door and they see these beautiful mountains and a and a big banquet table and all kinds of food. But everybody's sitting at the table and their arms are locked. They they're locked at the elbow. They can't get the food to their mouth. They're just trying so hard and they're in pain because they're starving and they're anxious and they're just like <sighs> and it's just awful to watch these people weep in front of all this food. And the man says, That's what hell looks like. 
He said, come here, I'll show you what heaven looks like. And he takes him down this hallway, and as he goes down, they can hear this laughing and giggling and so much fun. And they open the door, and there's this beautiful mountains and a table with a huge feast. And they're all sitting there, and they too have their arms locked, but they have figured out that they can eat together if they feed each other. And so they dig into the table, and they feed the person across from them. And the person across them feeds them, and they have this fabulous feast because they can feed each other at the table. They have been smart enough and wise enough to say, if I can feed you and you can feed me, together we can feast together. All of us are invited to this feast. And the man says, that's hell. Individual, just me, weeping, doing nothing. And this is heaven, figuring out I got to feed my neighbor, feed each other, love each other, take care of each other. That is heaven. And we pray it every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And our job, if you will, in this world that has fallen apart and that is broken is to, to, to not stay in hell but dare to risk to be in heaven and to bring that kingdom together in this church, this world, this country, this, this global community where we learn to feed and care and love and nurture the common good. You know, the final story for me that helped figure this out for me this week is again the story of Bill Phipps, a friend and mentor, a congregant, moderator. Some people hated him. At least they respected him. One of the things I did before he died was the months before he died, I went to his house and I sat down and recorded three full hours, three different days, full hours of conversation with him about growing up in Toronto, about being a lawyer, about being a minister, all these things. Beautiful, rich conversation, just he and I. In the con one of the conversations, he said to me, he said, John, I'm not a pessimist and I'm not an optimist, I'm a realist. And that was Bill. Not pessimistic, not optimistic, but realist. And what was amazing about Bill is he was real enough to challenge us about the global economy, challenge us about the care of the earth, challenge us about indigenous issues. And people, whether they agreed or disagreed, could at least say, I respect this person. And in this conversation, he was reminding me about what it was like in 1997. 1997, when he was the moderator, he went to Ottawa, to the Ottawa Citizen Editorial Board. He wanted to go in and talk about the moral economy. And he went in there and he put down his papers and his briefcase and said, let me tell you about the moral economy. They listened and they said, that's fine, but we want to talk about something else. Who is Jesus? How do you interpret the Bible? What happens after you die? Bill was like, well, answer, answer, answer. And when it came to the life after death question, Bill looked them in the eye and they said, what do you believe about life after death? Bill said this, I don't know. I don't know. It's a mystery, but what I believe is we are held in the eternal arms of a loving God. That when we die, we are held in the eternal loving arms of God. I want you to take your hands right now and just do this. Just humor me. No matter who you are, what you've done, whatever's happened, when you die, whether you believe in God or not, I don't care. We are held in the beautiful, loving arms of God in our dying and in our living. And this is the thing that Easter celebrates. You may feel right now you're, you're in the dark. 
But the Easter story, early in the morning when it was dark, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was found empty. And you know and trust that light beckons you forward into the Easter story. So here's the thing. God protects us from nothing, but is present in everything. That is true. We create often the hell and heaven we experience in life, but we are called to bring heaven to earth. And in our dying and in our rising, we are held in the loving, eternal arms of God the Creator who loves us no matter who we are or what we've done and invites the love that is at the center of our Christian story and indeed all religious stories to be born in your heart and lived in your hands, feet, and voice in the living of these days. So whether you are at Ash Wednesday or you are like, hallelujah, I'm on Easter, we are welcomed, whoever we are, wherever we're at, to this place. May God's love lift and rise you and I for our journey. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.